So hey everyone, welcome back to the Vaccine Conversation with Melissa and Dr. Bob. We just finished up with some amazing episodes with author and reluctant activist um, J.B. Hanley. And so much good information that we will need to continue for several more podcasts talking about his book and... Um, some of the most important things that he's found and that he, you know, the reasons that he's fighting in this fight the same way we are. And we realized we had a lot more we wanted to talk about, a lot more to say, a lot more to discuss. And so we figured we'd do a post-interview wrap-up or a little discussion where we can kind of talk about some other uh, details that we liked in the book or, or topics we found really interesting that uh, we won't get to cover with JB because the next episodes we have with him, we'll move forward in his book uh, to some of the other um, chapters and other things that he talks about. He covers so much. It's such a worthwhile book. The book's called How to End the Autism Epidemic. It's available on Amazon and it's five-star rating. Really, it's a. it's been selling, uh, he said, over 40,000 copies, which is amazing, right. especially for a topic so controversial. That's like, it's it's amazing when it's something that you think would instantly get you labeled as anti-vaccine and therefore, and he, and he even said, you know, he was given no media um, PR for this, no um, spots that he could go and advertise this book and promote it. That that didn't happen and he's still able to sell well. The book is really well written, has a lot of data and information from other scientists, like Dr. Bob mentioned on a previous episode. Uh, it's not just his opinion on what he thinks about this. And you know what? Even if it was, even if it was, he has he has obviously put in a lot of time into this. And even if it's just his opinion, his opinion I particularly think is valuable. Just like I think the opinion of a lot of parents are valuable. Um, a lot of these parents are educated. These people have done a lot of research. They've done right. the work to formulate their opinions. This is not just like off the cuff. I've decided to believe something, right? Like, right? Yeah. If, if JB was smart enough to get into Stanford University, I mean, you know how hard it is to get into Stanford. Well, it's no UCLA, but <laughs> 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 just kidding. Oh, not, I'm a Bruin, yeah. but but yes, yeah. Stanford, of course, is yeah. you know a top university in yeah. the nation. Yeah, I mean, he's really done a great job at putting together the research, and essentially. I think none of the book is his original like ideas or even his opinion. It's it's all it's all science, right? And he he's putting it all together in a science. nice little wrapped right. uh, present yeah. for you. And so all... All, all we got around to, to doing is talking about basically part of part one of his book, where we basically talk about the lies about the autism epidemic and and the lies that that people try to claim there is no autism epidemic, but there really is. And we talked about. Some of the some of the untruths and controversies about vaccine safety and how that might actually tie in to uh, you know what research is missing as far as uh, vaccines and autism. That's really all we talked about. And yeah, I, and so again, there are a variety of little ideas or things I wanted to highlight about his book, about that early section of his book that we'll talk about right now. So I don't know what, what's well. What, and the book is two hundred and fifty-two pages, so we got through right. about the first fifty. Right. So we're going to um, do the rest of it, I guess, in in the months to come. I, I guess we'll just. Dish out yeah, these we'll continue to delve and, you know, into to, uh, into the book. Time. But, but I mean, yeah, because we're going to get to uh, to basically you know emerging research and what what recent research has shown about vaccines and autism, and um, and uh, and what what has gone on in the courts and the legal battles involving vaccines and autism. And and I think I think so far, I mean, we haven't even really you know, I haven't really given sort of my overall. Uh, thoughts about vaccines and autism. And I think when we come to the end of all this with JB, I think we'll, we'll chat about, about uh, 
my own thoughts, your thoughts, and and JB's thoughts about um, about whether or not there is clear evidence about a relationship between vaccines and autism, and and what we need to do moving forward. And for those who might think, again, like I mentioned before, for those who might think, well, my child doesn't have autism, so this issue doesn't relate to me, or that doesn't seem like a book I would need to buy because, again, I'm not personally connected to autism. This book is so much more than that, and it really talks about the larger vaccine debate. It's not Mm -hmm. just about autism. Um, It is a part of, autism is a part of it, but it really talks about you know, vaccine safety, vaccine injury, um, the studies that have shown information that's not being told to us, the the pharmaceutical backing, the media influence, um, information how it's been basically essentially censored from us over time, and then real information on diseases and the risks and things like that. So it talks, it covers sort of what you would you would say or Dr. Bob likes to call a nutshell, of, um, of the vaccine conversation, kind of, it, it applies to everyone. So it definitely is a book worth reading. And just to give myself um, brownie points, I got the book first. Yes, uh, Dr. Bob got after me. Okay, I, sent him the, I sent him the message that said, hey, this is a great book. Of course, he was going to get it anyway, but... Well, okay, but I bought the ebook, so I s- helped save the planet while researching... After I did. Autism epidemic. Yes, okay. After I did. But there's so many good things. Um, Yeah, what's your first thought that that, uh, you really wanted to talk to JB about? Actually, one thing I really want to talk about later that I can't is he talks about something called immune activation events. Yeah, and in fact, that's a whole like section. It is, but that was at the beginning. He mentioned it briefly at the beginning, which is why I have it here chronologically listed. Um, But he's talking about how biomedical research shows that there is a connection between those that have autism and, and a particular immune activation event that happens. Um, and we know that vaccination, the point of vaccination is to stimulate your immune system. So the uh, every time that we're immunizing someone, we're trying to get their immune system to be stimulated. And we use things like adjuvants to help that process become stronger and uh, create the antibody response. But for many children, the connection between that immune stimulation and ingredients like aluminum adjuvants, for example, for kids that have genetic markers towards sensitivities, mitochondrial sensitivities or whatnot, there is a connection here with neurological issues, neurological reactions post-vaccination to this uh, immune um, activation event. So I find that really interesting. And we didn't get, right. even though that he mentions that briefly earlier, he'll get into that later talking about the mothers while they're pregnant and the immune system being stimulated during pregnancy and how that can have uh, an effect on the growing fetus. So we'll get right. to that later. But I think that's, that is some new biomedical research that's so important to understand is that the very fact that you are stimulating the immune system can actually be troublesome. For some yeah. kids, instead of it being the thing that's supposed to protect them, it actually could be the thing that hurts them. Exactly. And I think if if you try to think, you know, uh, biologically, what could be the relationship between vaccines and autism, it, it really does center around uh, immune activation. And, and although JB presents that whole topic later in the book and we'll go over it with him, I, I guess I just want to throw out right now, there's been um, – some recent research that JB talks about, but even a brand new study that just came out, so it's not in JB's book. It basically shows, um, <clears throat> excuse me, it basically shows a relationship between kids catching infections and how that raises their risk of autism and and mm-hmm. other uh, mental health disorders or, or neurological disorders. 
And and when you see a story, and this just came out in the news today, um, the story was childhood infections linked to subsequent mental disorders, mental health disorders, um, including a risk for obsessive compulsive disorder, tick disorders, but also autism. And you see a, you see a story that says, if you catch an infection, it's going to raise your risk of, of autism and other neurological mental health disorders. My first thought is, oh my gosh, I better go get vaccinated right, so I that agree. I don't catch I infectious diseases. That title is extremely <clears throat> misleading right, if right. it goes on to describe something differently because I right. would think the same thing. Exactly. So gosh, I don't want my kid to catch infections. So now That's why it, we stop infections. Yeah, so so yeah. The, the more I get vaccinated, the, that'll actually lower my risk of autism. But the, the studies, including the study that just came out, they don't actually say that. They, they, what they say is the infections are an immune-activating event. Mm-hmm. If you catch a, a whole variety of infections while you are young, if, you're, if, well, if mom catches it while she's pregnant or if, mom, if a baby catches an infection while they're young or you catch an infection in a toddler, that activates your immune system in a certain way that, that affects your brain. It basically activates a, an autoimmune reaction mm-hmm. that then has negative effects on your brain. And and so and then these study these uh, the researchers say um, that uh, you know th- this kind of research does not mean that infections are what leads to the mental disorder. The bigger take home message is the relationship between the body and the brain, and that in some way infections or how they affect the immune system is what has the effect on the brain. And um, and they uh, let's say they talk about. Um, uh, and so, so later in JB's book, I mean, we'll get to it, but basically the idea is anything that activates the immune system mm-hmm. might then increase the risk of autism. Anything that activates the immune system while you're young, whether it's an infection or it's a vaccine, we know vaccines activate the immune system. And JB basically lays out how when you get a vaccine, it revs up the immune system and how that immune system then turns against the brain right. and causes autoimmune reactions and how aluminum ties into that. And again, and so I'm not saying that we know vaccines can cause autism that way. Uh, I think what I'm saying is there's research that has shown anything that triggers uh, immune activation, either in a pregnant mom or in a baby, can uh, increase the risk of autism. Well, this makes and, and me so we think. have to look at vaccines because that is one of the immune activators mm-hmm. we give kids. And it makes me think too. I know there have been other concerns that have been brought up about how the immune system is activated and how through a vaccine it causes the immune system to react differently than if the immune system were presented with that particular virus naturally and how a a typical virus goes through the nasal passages or through the mouth and how it creates a particular system of response that our body is used to handling and it kind of goes in order and it it has to go in that order and that by injecting yourself you're actually skipping some of those steps so you're causing an immune response but you're doing so in a way that is against protocol so to speak for the body and i have to wonder with what you just said I wonder if the way the immune system is triggered um, could also factor into what you're saying, into causing an increased likelihood for neurological disorders, not so much just that the immune system is triggered in general, as in with some type of infection, but also the way bypassing the normal immune responses seems like 
like everything else, unintended consequences. Um, while you while you measure the success of that vaccine by looking at the antibody count and saying, "Look, this is successful," that you're forgetting that maybe the by bypassing our traditional system of entry, that it's creating other problems, and those other problems are responding and showing up and manifesting in other ways. And this could be an example of that is that the type of immune response is actually creating these these side effects. Right, right. And we, um, I think you have to look, uh, I mean, what we're learning about autism is, is basically if we could figure out a way to reduce these immune activating events, um, it seems like the ideal thing would be for for children to, to go through uh, several natural, mild uh Immune challenging mm-hmm. events. Uh, you know, you catch uh, you, you catch a few colds. You catch the flu once or twice. Maybe you go through a couple of uh, classic childhood diseases like, like chickenpox. Mm-hmm. Things that you're exposed to naturally, your immune system fights them naturally, and you're not messing your kid up with a bunch of medications. Right. You're not overusing antibiotics, and you're not using uh, overusing fever reducers. Mm-hmm. You're not you're not uh, messing with the body's natural uh, immune processes. And your child goes through that naturally, then you build a, a healthy immune system. You don't overactivate right. the, the immune system, and you're not artificially activating the right. immune system either with things that that would artificially mm-hmm. influence that. That almost seems, uh, based on the research we're seeing, the, the ideal uh, process for children to go through naturally, so that you avoid these these severe artificially immune activating events that JB talks about in his book, or autoimmune attacks, right? Autoimmune like attacks, that, yeah. so that your your brain develops through these early years. And I mean, this is all kind of hypothetical. You know, we mm-hmm. don't know. We don't know. Um, and uh, and I, but I'd say um, I don't know how much we don't know though. It feels like a lot of this is leaning in definitely in one direction. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I know I, we don't we don't know anything definitively, but we yeah. do know that like we've talked about before in in unvaccinated populations um, in that recent study that talked about the health outcomes. We know that those were improved in children that were completely unvaccinated. And I don't know how fully vaccinated the um, vaccinated children were in that study. I don't know if it was. The, like it, was, had, it varied, it varied. Mm-hmm. And in fact, in, in that you're referring to the Jackson State mm-hmm. study of about 600 children, they actually showed um, the children who were who were not vaccinated at all had had the the healthiest child you know childhood mm-hmm. growing up. The children who were vac- fully vaccinated, and they actually measured partial vaccination mm-hmm. as well. The partially vaccinated children had had also a lot of health risks mm-hmm. moving forward, just like the fully vaccinated children. So they actually did look at that yeah. in the study, and and the outcomes were 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 less positive for the partially and the fully vaccinated kids. I, I think I think the idea for for parents, I mean, when you see studies that that say catching infections will raise your risk of autism, and your 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 automatic response is to go out and get vaccinated so you don't get those infections. I think that the better way to look at this is um, what what is your child's risk of catching a bunch of these vaccine-preventable diseases like, like measles and mumps and chickenpox and whooping cough and the flu? What is your child's risk of catching those? I mean, your child may catch one or two of those growing up, but the risk of catching all of those is very low. What does the study say? Does it say which infections or the article? What did it? Does it say which infections Cause it was talking these, about? No, no, it doesn't. It just doesn't. says any. Just says just says yeah, a, a variety of different infections. I don't know if they specified which infections, but I think the point being is is 
you can't just go and vaccinate against everything and then think that you're going to avoid all those infectious immune activating events that might lead to autism. Well, especially not because you're going to catch all kinds of other infections that we don't have vaccines. That's what I was saying. Yeah. So then you're actually, you're actually, um, exposing your child to all the immune active activating events of vaccines and without having the protection against these other things. And you're also getting all the immune activating events of all the other infections. So by fully vaccinating, you might actually be increasing your immune activating events. And so maybe the, maybe, I mean, think if the science is true and if the theory about immune activating events being a risk of autism, if it's true, which then, research is new research, biomedical research is showing. Yeah, it that, is showing so. it's true. It's showing it may be true. I don't mm-hmm. think we can include a hundred percent yet, but it, it, if it's true, then then it might mean that you want to maybe uh, talk to your doctor and 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 think very carefully about avoiding over vaccination. Mm-hmm. And then talking how to keep your immune system the healthiest it can possibly be so that your number of immune activating events is, is the lowest uh, and, and presented to your child in the healthiest way possible. And I think you're right. I think yeah. that's what the problem is now. We're over vaccinating. I mean, you should be able to look at all the information and say, okay, here's what I think is important. Here's what I'm going to, with your doctor, with your doctor, um, <clears throat> but it's not customizable. Yeah. It's, right. it's not at all. Yeah, and so and building on that, and I think what should concern parents who do vaccinate and parents who who support you know the the full vaccine program is that um, we know some of the vaccines we give kids are not necessary, like mm-hmm. hepatitis B. We know some of the vaccines we give are for very mild diseases, diseases that are not part of a huge public health crisis, like like rotavirus, like like, uh, like chickenpox vaccine, even hepatitis A. You could even argue the flu and the fact that our governments, some of our state governments are now mandating some of the unnecessary vaccines, right. some of the vaccines that are not part of a health crisis, that fact should concern every single parent out there. The fact that the, I think the gover- the, the, that a lot of state governments mandate preschoolers and school children get a hepatitis B vaccine, like JB was talking about. And I wanted to point this out, but but you know, JB loves to talk almost as much as you like to talk. I think and he must so be I, Italian. I couldn't get it in there. Um, <laughs> the, the fact that a state government wants to mandate hepatitis B vaccine for all school children, young school children, even preschoolers, even daycare babies, that fact alone should really concern every single parent, knowing that your government has the power to mandate a completely unnecessary vaccine. My point being is, um, is again, we're, we're trying to highlight how we should all be working together on this, not against each other. And, and again, when the government mandates something completely unnecessary, every single parent should rise up against that, not just those who, who oppose, you know, mandatory vaccines in general. Um, I guess well, oh, while, yeah, while while you look, I wanted to point to a part of the book that 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 I thought was was fascinating, and I I'm, I'm glad JB put it in there. He he talks about um in in this chapter um about the immune system, and he he says vaccines don't don't form a protective ring around anyone. Um, our immune system remains our primary defense against disease. It, meaning that yeah, the, the vaccines just don't, yeah, vaccines don't just magically automatically help you uh, right. protect you against everything. They're, they're not like magically you're suddenly healthy, you can't catch anything. But he goes on, I'm, I, I'm fascinated by this. 
as best-selling author Dr. Bob Sears explains in his book, <laughs> I knew you were gonna bring that a up. healthy immune system is the key to preventing infectious diseases. We are all exposed to millions of germs every day, and vaccines only cover a tiny fraction of 1% of these germs. So we must rely on our immune system to fight, to fight off most potential infections. Yeah, you just thought that was, you know, one to, you know. Yeah, well, sometimes he quotes people that are I mean, very do, knowledgeable. I understand. Do you want to expand on, on that brilliance? Or, <laughs> no, but or I do no, say or? that I do, you know what, I do say the same thing. Um, right, right. The, the idea that there are so many viruses that you do not vaccinate for anyway. So the, the most important thing that you can do as a parent of a child to keep them safe is to give them a strong immune system. And giving them a strong immune system doesn't mean loading them up with pharmaceutical products. Right. Like that, that, that does not equate to the right. same. Oh, I'll find it here another time. But it, right. it definitely was in here because I remember looking yeah. at it again yeah. last and, night. And I guess kind of uh, building on some of what we talked with, uh, with JB and, and what we've just been talking about is the idea of getting – is getting all the vaccines really the healthiest choice for every single child? And we really don't know what it – we really don't know – that getting every single vaccine is healthiest choice. And I want to point out a study that JB talks about in, in his book in, in the, the sections we already covered. It's it's the DTP vaccine. He is, is saying it's he's saying it's doing more harm than good in Africa. Yeah, I love that. And, and he talks about a study just published last year in the in the peer-reviewed journal called eBiomedicine. The study is entitled The Introduction of Diphtheria Tetanus Pertussis and oral polio vaccine among young infants in an urban African community, a natural experiment. So that's the, the title of the study. So you can Google search that and read the study for yourself. And these are researchers from some of the top um, European uh, 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 research organizations, um, uh, including the Statens Serum Institute in Denmark. They do a lot of infectious disease and vaccine research. Basically, these these studies, these scientists found that for the African children who were given the DTP vaccine, uh, those children had a, f- a five-fold higher mortality rate compared to the children that were not given the DTP vaccine. They say no prospective study has shown beneficial survival effects of getting the DTP vaccine. And DTP is the most widely used vaccine. Right, but what they go right. on to say is because it made them susceptible to other infections. Exactly. That had they, nothing to do with DTP per se. No, you're, you're right. It's not that these babies were dying immediately from That's the DTP vaccine. That's what I think is happening here, though. Right, right. The same thing. Right, right. So, so yeah, they're saying getting the DTP vaccine specifically uh, is an immune-activating event mm-hmm. that, that, that alters your immune system, affects your, your body in, in, in an autoimmune way, and has you know, negative effects on your immune system, so that they say all currently available evidence suggests that DTP vaccine may kill more children from other causes right. of infectious disease or other medical problems than it saves from diphtheria, tetanus, or pertussis, the disease that that vaccine is designed to prevent, a five-fold mm-hmm. number of children right. are dying from other causes than, than are dying from this disease compared to the, the children who don't get any vaccines at all. They're actually saying that the kids in, in their it's studies that, that skipped the DTV vaccine were actually had five times a survival rate. That's, that's a mind-blowing study. It is. And, and, and I think that's what's happening here, but obviously not with the same level of mortality because of the fact that we're in a first-world 
right, you know, right, right. nation, so, yeah, and right. we don't have that. But but people are more susceptible to other infections. People are more susceptible to being sick more often, right. and that turns into chronic things right. over time. Right, autoimmune issues. Yeah, so. and and well, people would argue, well, we don't use the DTP vaccine anymore in the United States. We stopped using it in the early '90s, mm-hmm. and they're true. We use an, an a, a milder version of it. But what's what's what really concerns me is they are using DTP vaccines still in a number yeah. of in a number of African countries and Pacific Island nations and even some Asian countries. They are now using the DTP vaccine again, all in an effort to reduce mortality from pertussis. Not realizing that, according to this study, they might actually be raising the mortality right. rate in these third world nations, and it's you know JP highlights that in his book. I think it's a valid argument, and 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 yeah, you can't argue against it because because that study is is pretty uh, pretty solid. One thing I like that he says too. When I when I read this, I felt like this is exactly something that I would say about this whole thing. He says, while I acknowledge that vaccines provide some benefit to society in reducing cases of certain acute illness, right? We're not going to sit here and say that vaccines don't ever work in reducing cases of particular illnesses, right? Right. Says they also cause brain damage in some of the vulnerable kids who receive them. Parents have a right to all the information they need. This is called informed consent. The public health establishment has not been forthcoming with us. They exaggerate the overall benefits from vaccination and severely downplay the risks. I feel like if you had to really summarize, um, you know, kind of what's going on with this debate, I agree with that completely. You know, people say, oh, of course, vaccines work. You know, it's kept these particular diseases from from the epidemics that they once were. And yes, that that may be true. They do work in in particular illnesses in particular people um, in stopping in certain infections. But on the same so on the other side of that same token, they're also causing damage. And and what JB talks about is, is it worth trading in your acute illness here for a lifelong chronic condition over here? And if we are preventing measles, you know, successfully uh, for most kids or most people, let's say 70% or so, let's say if we are doing that, is it worth it if we are also creating a whole generation of kids with chronic issues, not just because of the MMR, but the vaccine schedule in general. And I think that's that's really the important um, uh, risk and reward thing to look at because, yeah, you might stop the chickenpox. So, so you've been one who has always told me, yes, the chickenpox vaccine is very effective at, at preventing chickenpox. So, yes, it works. It is effective right. in that sense. And then you look at things like, we talked about recently on another podcast about adults getting chickenpox cases, chickenpox cases because their immunity wanes, the artificially induced immunity wanes, and they're getting cases which are much more risky, much more likely to have complications as adults. Um, mothers who are pregnant are getting um, these types of illnesses they should have already had as children, but they don't have the lifelong immunity for that. And so uh, on top of that, you've got people getting shingles cases, um, you know, and, and so we have all these unintended consequences. So yes, you're definitely preventing ch- chicken pox cases. Yes. Okay. Like let's admit that that part's a success. Okay. Awesome. But look at all the other stuff that's coming from that. Is it worth it? Or should we just allow people to get chicken pox cases and then not have the unintended consequences? I mean, like, obviously, we're not the ones that get to make that decision. But I think that people should understand it's not the, um, what did he call it, the silver bullet? It's not the thing that goes, 
hey, this vaccine's perfect. It's no da- there's no damage at all. It's going to keep you all from getting this just itchy, gross disease that nobody wants to have, even if it's normal for, for children. Let's we'll keep your kid from getting it because it's unpleasant. It's uncomfortable. So here you go. Just take this quick little thing, and that's it. It's so simple. The idea of vaccination is so simple. Why wouldn't you want to do it? Why would you not want to have your child do it? It's so simple. But then you find not only is there a risk at the time that you vaccinate, there's, there are the unintended consequences that come on a societal level for some of these. It's not just about the individual. It's about society also. What if we're creating mini epidemics of other things that would not have come because we're now squashing the ability to have the infection in, in a generation of children? Right. Um, so I think there's a lot of truth to that personally. Yeah. I, I guess I'll, I'll touch on the the part where he describes, um, uh, you know, JB uh, has a, tie, uh, a heading in his book called Adverse Events Are Closer to One, one in, in 50. 50. He, yeah, he makes a claim that, yeah, uh, one in 50 yeah. children are are, uh, are being uh, negatively affected by vaccines. And I think where that comes from is basically there, there was a study um, called the Harvard Pilgrim Healthcare Study where, where they, they actually uh, – Looked at at uh, vaccine reactions. They looked at electronic medical records, and they 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 tried to see how the the true rate of reactions compares to what's reported. And they they and we won't go into huge details. In fact, that that's that's a, something we'll do in another podcast as well. Uh, but their their conclusion was fewer than one percent of vaccine adverse events are reported. Fewer than one yeah. percent. So if we know, like, like JB says, uh, in 2016, almost 60,000 vaccine adverse events, events were reported, including 432 deaths, 10,000 emergency room visits. Um, if, if that's only 1%, then, then, then the true numbers are, are astronomically higher. The, the true numbers are huge. That would basically mean instead of 60,000, that would mean 6 million. Right. Uh, adverse events. M- most of those mild, though. Most of those adverse events would not be severe. Um, we know about we know about ten percent of adverse reported adverse events are severe. About ten percent. That's been you know uh, consistent over over a lot of studies. So if you have say sixty thousand total adverse events, that means six thousand of those would be severe. Severe meaning you end up in the hospital, get a permanent disability, or you die, or you have a life-threatening emergency. Um, 6,000 reported in 2016 that were severe. If that's only 1%, then what, you you times that by 100, that means 600,000 severe Mm -hmm. adverse events. Um, Now, 2016 was a high year, uh, 60,000 total reported adverse events. Most years recently have been about 30,000 reported events total. So it doubled in the year 16. You know what I... Uh, it doubled in the year 2016. The previous years, moving up, going up to 2015, it all capped out at about 30,000 adverse And this events. is a national system, right? So it's registering right. everything. I, right. wonder, I always wonder when you see stuff like that, when you see the jump, what's responsible for the jump? So we had the measles outbreak right. in 2015. Maybe a bunch of uh, people right. felt... Um, fearfully coerced into getting their child vaccinated further or more or added doses than something they would usually have. I mean, you know, obviously this is just supposing, but I just wonder when you see that kind of jump, um, there's got to be something behind it. And the only thing I can think of that would have been a national thing would have been, you know, the 
humongous uh, 200 and some cases of measles, <laughs> the huge right. epi- Disneyland epidemic right. that everybody right. talks about. Yeah. I wonder if that somehow bled over into yeah. increased um, rates and then therefore increased reactions. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. I, might... I want answers, Dr. Bob. <laughs> I want you to know the answer to what <laughs> I just asked. the third thing you've, you've asked me that I haven't known since we started podcasting. I asked the, d- I asked the big questions. That's pretty you know? good. I mean, all this stuff makes me, yeah. makes me wonder things like, yeah. well, how's and, it connected? And I, I want to wait till JB's back uh, before we – he basically has like a, a s- summarizes what he thinks about, about the – the vaccines are safe and effective mantra, and we'll 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 cover that when he gets back in there. But I I highlighted it because it's a very interesting quote. Um, um, I like. Were you <clears> going to read the quote? No, no, no. I mean, oh, yeah, you um, mentioned that the study in Africa, which I also did too. He also talked about a 2012 clinical infectious disease study that said that children who get the flu vaccine were more than four times more likely to get other respiratory infections. Yes, and I find yeah. that to be really interesting because I do see a lot of people, not just children, adults, who are getting the annual flu vaccine and are always coming down with respiratory infections within the month following that vaccine. Not to say that they were given the flu by the vaccine. I know that's kind of something people tend to put out there. But I, I don't think that you're getting the flu from the vaccine. You know, some people think that. You know, you've right, seen that. Right. I think instead it's suppressing your immune system in a way that is making you more likely to catch the other stuff that's going around. Right. And the other stuff going around at the time of the flu are other respiratory illnesses. Right. So I, so this this being in children, saying four times more likely to get res- other respiratory infections after getting the flu vaccine, as a parent, it, it really would make you wonder if respiratory infections... And the potential for secondary infections from that, uh, turning bacterial, um, those are the things that would would certainly make me question whether or not that risk and reward made sense to get the flu vaccine if they are now four times more likely to get other things that could also be just as detrimental um, because respiratory illnesses can get... Yeah. Worse, and for adults and elderly, that's definitely something to think about. Yeah, it is. I, I want to look into that study. That's it the is, clinical um, infectious disease study from 2012. Yeah, um, I'll I'll comment. Uh, <laughs> I wonder if I can like. Uh, no, I don't think I can mimic JB's voice. Pretend like he's still here uh, commenting <laughs> on what we're saying. But um, uh, he ta- he also highlights um, uh, what essentially is is the some of the benefits of catching some of the childhood diseases. Yes. Um, he talks about a, mm-hmm. a, a 2010 study called Mumps and Ovarian Cancer, Modern Interpretation of a Historic Association. And, um, and he, he gives the, the reference in his book. Uh, yeah. It's, it's, interesting that, it's interesting that mumps as a disease, one of, the, uh, one of the, uh, the complications if you catch mumps as an adult is a sterility. Right. It can make you sterile, whether you're a, a woman or a man, um, especially in men. But interestingly, if you catch mumps as a child, it actually lowers your risk of getting ovarian cancer later. If you catch mumps as, as a young woman, as a child, mm-hmm. um, lowers your risk of ovarian cancer. I find that very fascinating. And he also yeah. talks about a 1998 study found that children who had measles and who caught other febrile infectious diseases had lower cancer risks as right. adults. I've seen that, yeah. Yeah, and then the 2000 British Journal of Cancer study that found measles, children who catch measles had a lower risk of Hodgkin's disease, which is a kind of lymphoma. And, um, and that catching other childhood illnesses created a lower, lower cancer rates. And uh, I, I, again, I find this, this fascinating. Again, mm. are these diseases naturally challenging our immune system 
without creating harmful immune activating events that then teach our immune system how to guard us against cancer. Because you might might know this, I mean, cancer just doesn't happen automatically. Our immune systems are constantly killing cancer cells. Mm -hmm, We have cancer cells in in us every, every minute, and our immune system neutralizes them, kills them off. Um, our immune system is designed to track them down and kill them. Our immune them. system and says, not today, sir. Yeah, right, not right, today. Right. And, and, and getting these child infections apparently helps helps lower that risk of... Uh, and we're going to do a whole episode yeah. on that because I find that to be really should, interesting. Yeah. Okay, so I'll stop talking about okay. it now then. You know, we... I'll say, I just have one more thing okay. to bring up because I know we're almost done with this episode. Um, the, and there are a few more things I want to talk to JB about when we have him on again. But the the last thing I wanted to mention was... I find really interesting that he says there are 17 diseases that require immediate reporting, Mm -hmm. according to public health, and we only vaccinate for four of them. So that means there are 13 diseases that require immediate reporting. They're serious enough to require immediate reporting, and we're not vaccinating for those. And um, I don't think many people understand that. They assume that everything on the vaccine schedule are the most serious things that you could ever get. And yet we've got all these other things that require, you know, public health attention that we don't even vaccinate for. And somehow we're managing these just fine without epidemics. Uh, You know, isn't that kind of interesting? I'm sure most people don't don't understand that fact either. Yeah. Did you have anything else you wanted to? um, No, no. To add? um, No, I think we can we can wrap that up and. uh, so I have a cut. Um, yeah, I definitely have some notes here, some things well, I want to well, talk well, to him like, about. Let me just read his quote, and then we'll ask him about it. And this is kind of the, how JB summarizes his thoughts on on vaccines and vaccine risk. He says, "My problem is with the exaggerated, one side, one sided, fault free history of vaccines that parents are presented with." One that hits parents over the head with a safe and effective mantra and discourages critical thinking. And if we can't talk honestly about vaccines, we really can't talk, can't talk about how to end the autism epidemic. And that's my real beef. And I think we'll, we'll hear that directly from him next mm-hmm. time we have him on because I think that's a, an interesting statement. And so true. And again, the book's called How to End the Autism Epidemic. Um, so it would be good if you guys got yourself a copy of it and followed along with us. Um, before we have him back on again, you'll be able to be well-versed in the stuff that he's talking about. I mean, there's a lot of data in this. It's, you know, it's, it's not necessarily broken down in a very vague way. There's a lot of detail and, and data, which for many people, mm-hmm. that's how they like. He, like he mentioned, he's a math guy. He, he uh, likes empirical data. And um, that's how it's listed. But that's also great for those who have been looking for that. And it's all in one place. And even though the focus is on autism, it really gives you a lot of other information that talks about things like the flu vaccine and DTP, all sorts of other HPV things. HPV vaccine. Yeah, that yeah, are not related yeah. directly per se to autism, but, but to this larger debate, all the kind right. of stuff that we like to talk about here on the vaccine conversation. Yep. And um, Don't, again... Remember to rate us. Give yeah, us like always and, on uh, iTunes. Yeah, I think we only have uh, two uh, one-star ratings so far. Far. All the rest are uh, are five star. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Five star. Bless you. Um, say that. Bless yeah. Us, uh, sorry. I just sneezed. Um, five star or a couple of four star reviews. We appreciate that. And I, maybe we'll read more of the reviews as they as they come as they come and, trickling in. Yes. Yes. And. Um, and also visit our, our website. There's right. a lot of content that we have. We've written one pagers and things that you can use to talk about specific issues. We'll ideally take some of these that we've done on podcasts and put them in a, a written form so you can have a one pager that kind of summarizes mm-hmm. what we mm-hmm. talk about at some point. Okay. Uh, because Dr. Bob needs more to do. So, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> And I certainly exactly. do as well because yes. being a mom of two little ones just gives me so much free time. <laughs> so much free time. 
But anyways, uh, you guys, thank you again for joining us um, in our discussion of J.B. Hanley's book and and some of the greater topics that we've talked about before with, with studies and so much interesting stuff happening. We're so happy that you're joining us on this conversation. Refer a friend if you're interested and want them to, to be a part of this conversation with us. And make sure and comment so we can get your feedback. And if you have ideas for shows, let us know. Yeah. Ooh, and I was thinking the other day, um, Ooh. Uh, which, which, which <laughs> uh, yeah, get ready for a profound, uh, there's a deep thoughts from, dun, dun, dun. Uh, from uh, Dr. Bob. Deep is um. Uh, is if if there are uh, women out there, um, no, or men, or men, and I don't know. You say you're you're always having these debates and arguments with your spouse, and you guys are not on the same page. But your spouse won't read things. Your spouse won't take the time to kind of study and read and then do all the research you did. Um, point them to our podcast. I think a lot of people that don't read books are typically going to then might be podcast listeners. Podcasts and, are cool. And, uh, they're totally cool. <laughs> they make no you cooler. Idea. They make you cooler I if you listen to them. I told you we should have been doing this for years, and I finally got you in here to do this. Uh, um, but yeah, yeah, get, yeah, tell your spouse about this and, and let them uh, start uh, listening and, and learning so they can understand the stuff that you yourself have been reading and researching all these years. Anyway, uh, this has been the Vaccine Conversation, and we will see you guys next time. Did you want to say bye or something? <laughs> I'll say ciao. The information in this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as medical advice. Always consult your healthcare professional for information on vaccines and infectious diseases.